0: burnout became a big part of myself and what was happening to me for the past several months and it has made me think this whole time about how important it is to really check in with ourselves
1: this is chan with the plan the podcast a podcast providing career advice and easy actual steps for frustrated professionals helping you overcome career challenges so you stop feeling confused and defeated and start feeling focused and confident in order to excel in your career I'm your host, Max Chan. Now let's dive into the episode. Hey, darling, welcome to the show.
0: Hi, thanks for having me.
1: How's your summer so far?
0: Oh, it's going pretty good. How about yours?
1: It's good. It's good. We talked offline and uh, you're currently traveling, right? I am. That's actually... The main point of our discussion today is how traveling solo can help you get some career clarity and reduce your burnout. But before we get into that part of your story, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got to this point?
0: So I'm a registered social worker in Canada, and I do executive coaching with high-achieving females. I have been working in the same contract for over three years and it recently came to an end and I decided to go on a solo road trip. So that all started because somebody that I know, a friend of mine was going to the States for a family vacation and she invited me and I said I would go. I didn't end up going, but I ended up going to the States anyway. And I've been on this solo road trip for three and a half weeks when I thought I was only going away for a few days.
1: And what made you decide to take this road trip?
0: Well, it was really just being in that one main contract that ended up being really toxic. And, you know, as we've talked about burnout before, burnout became a big part of myself and what was happening to me for the past several months and it has made me think this whole time about how important it is to really check in with ourselves and know when to leave and when to change things up i wanted to leave this contract for over a year and i didn't for all sorts of reasons and then it became like at the end it was time to go and it was a rush to leave and it wasn't even a healthy place to be anymore and what transpired before that was just lots of toxic energy which in doing the work that i'm doing when i'm supporting folks it's a really detrimental place to be because i need to be at my healthiest self and at my strongest self when i'm supporting others through what they're going through
1: so Before you take on this contract, were there any red flags that this could be a potentially toxic environment or were they like overselling it to you? And then you thought, oh, this is going to be great. And then as you got the contract, you started doing the work and you realized that it wasn't what they said it was going to be.
0: I think it was a little bit of both, but mostly around wanting to do the contract and wanting to do the work and thinking that I could make a difference and help folks in their individual lives. And when we're working with, I guess, what can I say? I'm trying not to tell you what the contract is with at the same time as just being general. So, you know, when we're working in a real colonial and capitalist society, and we're working with marginalized folks, the most marginalized folks in Canada who are reliant on the federal government we definitely need to assess every move that we're making at all times and what it came down to is me not moving on in time is what i should have done and it's not that they oversold it it's that that was never a conversation it was this is the work you're doing and that's it it's just black and white it's you do it or you don't if i don't do it somebody else will do it so they don't even try to sell it in a way where this is going to be good or this, this is the work. It's just black and white.
1: A common thing that people do is they say it will get better or they'll, they'll believe that it will get better and it doesn't. So what are some common uh, things that people do to talk themselves into staying into a toxic environment instead of like making that move to find something better?
0: I think as most people are generally good people. And especially in doing this type of work, when you're working and you're supporting folks one-on-one or supporting folks in a family or in a group, it's not something that folks go into and think that they're not going to do good work. And it's going to get better. And we want to be there. We want to work with folks through their issues. We want to try different things. Okay, that didn't work. So let's try this. I think we just try to change our approach in the way that we work so if left didn't work then let's try right or let's try backwards or let's try forwards and sometimes it's we're working with people who aren't really willing to do any of those things so it's hope definitely it's hope that things will get better and really trying, and so that we don't think that we are failing if we step away from something that isn't serving us. As a practitioner, if I'm not using all of my self and everything that I have in working with somebody, then I'm not giving them the best type of care. And I think it's just that. It's that sometimes we're working a little harder than the people that we're working with, and we really need to take a step back and of course what comes into that are is it's hard to find another contract or it's of course everybody needs money to live and so you know we get comfortable in our jobs whatever that is if it's a day to day job if it's a contract whether it's long or short i think we push through because we we're just used to doing that because it's also harder to go find something else
1: you make a good point some people like they talk themselves negatively as in like, I don't think I'll get better. I might have to take a pay cut. You know, it's not as bad, right? So again, that's it's a self-fulfilling prophecy that you don't think you're going to get better, uh, anything better. So you end up staying there even though it's toxic, and then it just is a domino effect in terms of like your mental health like starts to deteriorate at a significant rate.
0: That's right. So I would come home. So I was working one week on and one week off, and I would come home and I would just be like exhausted from the week, from all of the energy that I had put in and all of the driving because it was quite far. And then I would be home for a week. And in that week, I would try to, you know, do my regular things that I would do at home and get back into a routine and start cooking again and trying to, you know, talk with the people in my life and, you know, maybe see them. Part of it was COVID. So just, you know, touching base on the phone or whatnot. And, I was exhausted. It got to the point where that week that I was home, I was so exhausted, I couldn't do anything. And then I would have to go back the following week, I felt like I was getting no rest.
1: You make a good point in terms of how people say that Oh, keep your work at work, don't take it personal or don't bring it home. But when you're burnt out or in a toxic environment, it definitely takes a toll on you mentally, and physically. So you can't perform at home, because of these things that are going on at work. So yes, a lot of people say that, oh, you shouldn't take your work home, but if it's not a good environment, you're not going to focus. And then it also deteriorates your personal relationships outside of work.
0: Yeah, it does. And with ourselves, because the other piece around, you know, when I was working there was also around people that were treating me badly that I was working with. It was, okay, maybe, you know, making excuses for them maybe they're just having a bad day or, you know, they're going through something difficult. I know they're going through something difficult because they've shared that with me and just trying to take on their issues and not everybody can take constructive criticism. Or if you ask them, you know, what's going on, that wasn't always an option. And if it was, there's was lots of gaslighting going on. And so it was just a very negative environment and toxic environment that, I literally had to tolerate for a very long time. And tolerating is not, it's not a nice word. You know, I think we use it quite a bit in situations when we really shouldn't. Because, you know, Max, I wouldn't enjoy if you said, oh, I'm tolerating Darlene, right? Like, it's not a compliment. But I was tolerating this negative behavior that was happening to me and all around me and absorbing that. And in the work that I'm doing when I'm working so closely with folks and trying to support them through whatever it is they're going through, it wasn't a healthy environment.
1: Some professionals who are unhappy with their environment well, and do like the company, sometimes like they like the company but they don't like the team, they may be proactive and try to reach out to the manager and try to see if there's a compromise or a solution. And then the manager doesn't want to lose the person, will say yes to whatever they discussed. So... What are some signs when it's actually like changing for the better or just lip service and delaying you to look for a job because they're promising you stuff to make things better when it isn't the case?
0: You know, honestly, I had emails that weren't returned to when I did talk about things, when I did bring things up, when I did speak to a manager, they would make excuses for the other person. You know, I have to say again, like, because this was also, and not that it was solely because it was in the pandemic, but in the pandemic, everybody was in crisis. So they're just trying to, you know, do the best that they can every day with what they had and folks didn't know what was going on. I mean, I don't want to, again, totally put it on the pandemic because it's happened in other places. And on that note, you're right. People don't want to rock the boat. They generally don't do what's right for the team or for the workplace in general. In my experience, not only with this one contract, but even prior to the pandemic, just being in different situations where, you know, you bring things up to HR because you're supposed to or bring things up to your direct manager and nothing happens. And when there is one person who is mostly responsible for all that toxicity, you know, sometimes I feel like it comes down to the manager or the HR manager, or whomever it is, they don't want to rock the boat with that person because they might be the workplace bully. They might be scared of them themselves. They don't want to deal with the repercussions from that person lashing out at them.
1: So let's move to the next portion of our conversation. So you said that your contract was almost up, right? It's almost up. And that's when you decided to take a trip. What made you decide to do this trip on your own compared to like, getting family or friends and embarking on a journey together?
0: Well, that I actually travel alone all the time. So this one has just been like less of a structured trip. So normally I would say, okay, I'm leaving on this day and coming home on this day. And this trip, because I took my car and just drove to the States, I just keep driving around. (laughs) So it is something that I do on a regular basis, but I'm really trying to figure out how to not get in those situations again how do i authentically work with folks who i'm aligned with and are aligned with me i created a program that i've been able to do that and it's just constantly staying in alignment with myself while i'm doing that and while i'm doing the work that i'm doing with people
1: you said you tend to travel alone can you tell us more about the time when you took your first solo trip i'm assuming your your very first trip ever was with people, right? So why don't you tell us more about like, when were you able to get the courage, so to speak, to travel on your own? And how many trips have you done since then?
0: Okay, I think the first trip, as you're asking, if I remember correctly, the first trip that I did alone, well, I took the train alone to BC from Manitoba when I was 18, but I was meeting people over there. But a trip that I actually did alone was in 2007, and i graduated from my first degree and i went to mexico city i flew to mexico city and just walked around mexico city for like two weeks and i I didn't know enough spanish so i wasn't comfortable taking the bus or taking a taxi because i didn't know where i was going and i didn't know how to communicate with people so i walked the whole time and every night that i came home i would stop at this bakery near my place and get a couple you know pastries and go back home and go to bed but it was amazing so that's when it started and then i've done it quite a few times since including 2016 when i graduated from my second degree and i went on a solo trip to europe and i thought i'd be gone for about four or five weeks and i ended up staying for three months I thought I was going to go to like three different places and I went to 11 countries. And one day I just woke up and I was like, it's time to go home. So every day I was trying to figure out what I was going to do and just checking in with myself. What am I doing today? Oh, I'm going to go over here. Oh, I'm going to fly over here. So that's what it's kind of been on this trip is waking up every day and checking in with myself and figuring out what it is that I want to do. And at that time, too, I had a contract, I had a private contract, so I was able to work from anywhere. And that's just how it's been ever since.
1: That's called a digital nomad, right? Where you can work anywhere remotely. That's the term, right? Digital nomad?
0: (laughs) Yeah, I guess that's what they're using these days.
1: So in regards to someone who wants to try solo traveling, what are some piece of advice that you can provide for someone who's traveled with friends or family, but they just want to do a solo trip this time? And what are some like benefits and cons for taking a solo trip?
0: Well, your family is always going to be asking when you're coming home and what you're doing. And they'll be checking with your safety, of course. So be prepared for that. And, you know, as I'm saying that, I'm saying that in a privileged place where I have family that do check in on me. And some people aren't as fortunate to have people who are checking in on them. So just being aware of that as well. I'd say it's such an incredible opportunity to get to know yourself. So make sure that you are getting to know yourself. So don't spend too much time focusing on other people or focusing on partying or, you know, things that are going to keep you distracted. If you want to travel on your own, like be invested where you're at, be invested in the culture, depending on which countries you're going to be invested in learning some of the language, and be respectful of other people, be respectful of the cultures around you, and try to not do harm to yourself or anybody else.
1: From a personal development and career perspective, what are the benefits of going on your own compared to bringing a friend or family member?
0: Well, you get to just wake up and go where you want, wherever you want at any time. So if I feel like, you know, for example, like this morning, so I woke up early, about six, And I started my day and I was doing things. And an hour or two into my morning, I was like, I want to go back to sleep. So I did. I had like a morning nap. I did that the past two mornings in a row. And I am not a napper. And I had a morning nap. And it was incredible. Both of them. So things like that, where if you have a plan with somebody, even meeting up with people somewhere, you know, it's so much easier to be able to do what you really need for yourself in an alignment with where you're at if you can do it alone because you're going on your schedule one of the other things that i do is most days i don't know where i'm going to end up so as i'm driving i might want to only drive four hours that day maybe the next day or the next time i'm driving i'm okay with driving seven or eight hours so I don't book hotels beforehand or the book Airbnbs or book places to stay beforehand. I book them as I go. And I mean, we're living in the digital era that allows us to do that, where we can go on several apps and check out where we want to stay at that time without having to book it beforehand. So that's helpful. Before I leave for a trip like this, I will download, like I have two different camping apps on my phone and you know six or seven hotel apps and of course airbnb and some other ones so i download those before i go and then when i get home i i don't need them so i you know to free up space on my phone i'll take them off
1: you make a good point in terms of like solo traveling you can do what you want and your own schedule a quick personal story is i went to montreal when i was still going to school at york university and it was just a a few buddies of mine, university friends, we went to Montreal, and I thought it'd be a good time because I, I'm, I'm hanging with people I know. But again, as you said, like they want to do different things, and there's always like conflicts, and then eventually you have to compromise and do stuff that you don't really want to do, but no one else wants to do what you want to do. And then I went to Las Vegas 2015 as a solo trip, and I had a lot more fun, even though I didn't know anybody, because I was able to like do what I want in my own schedule, and it also forces you to talk to people because if you don't. Know anybody going in, you're gonna force yourself to wanna do stuff that's out of the ordinary just to interact with people. So, just from your experience and what you said in terms of the benefits of solo travel, I definitely see, again, as a selfish thing, see more of the benefit of being able to, because again, you are spending a lot of money like on plane tickets and hotels. And if you're not doing what you fully want, then you're not gonna get your money's worth. And when you go home, yes, you might have had an okay time, but There might be some stuff that you regret and you all feel fully re-energized
0: i totally agree with all of that and there's a time and place for all of it right so a few years ago right before the pandemic a bunch of us went on a trip to new york to new york city for a friend's 40th birthday and there was nine of us and there was somebody in our group who wanted to plan all the events and at that point like. I just like, take the reins, you know, I'll just follow along. So sometimes I really enjoy that. And I shared a room with people and it was fine, like I had the best time. But when you need the solo trip, you need the solo trip. If I was going on a trip with someone, I don't generally share a room. Like now, because Airbnb is so big, I'll often get places with people. And then we have our own bedrooms, we have our own bathrooms, and that feels really good that has felt really good and even when I have shared rooms with people it's been great but there are times when you really just need to be alone
1: in terms of like helping decompress and reduce burnout what's the difference between like actually doing a proper solo trip and for example like staying home and not doing any work related stuff like is there a huge benefit in terms of like spending money to travel compared to like just having some me time at home where you're not like thinking about work
0: Yeah, I guess it would depend on the person's personality. So I'm a huge traveler. Before the pandemic, I would walk around with my passport in my bag at all times. And I did that. If you were like, Darlene, let's go to France today. I'd be like, okay, let's go, let's go to the airport. I have my passport, I have my credit cards. I don't need anything else. You know, it could make that happen. So I am someone who likes to move around and that's not for everybody, really. So, yeah, people can have that staycation. Of course, it would depend on what's going on at home. For me, I have a lot of renovations that I need to do at home that are complicated. So I felt like it was time to go. I was like, I'm going to leave my house for a little bit and I'm going to go on this journey. And my house was not doing it for me when I needed to, you know, really check in with myself and I needed to get out of the house so for me I like this both of them work really both of them work but this is a real different way to explore who you are and get out there on the road and if you're someone who likes to like listen to podcasts or audiobooks and also have that white space where you're listening to nothing or put on your favorite music and you know sing your heart out or cry your heart out or whatever you're doing you can do this in like the safety of your own vehicle and just be on the open road and it's an incredible feeling
1: you briefly talked about like how like traveling alone can give you some time to do some self-discovery so how are you able to like do that while you're traveling like do you like stay in your hotel room and do some reflection or do you walk around and ideas pop in your head like how's going on a solo trip help you align yourself to your true purpose
0: so for me because of the work that i do because i'm a coach and a social worker there are so many people in my life who are also social workers and coaches so i have an incredible network of like badass women who are there to have my back if I really need it. So I'm very fortunate for that. So that's one of the pluses for me. But also it's all of those. I like walking around and thinking. I like walking around and not thinking. (laughs) I like driving. Like things come to me if I'm listening to a podcast or sometimes I just can't handle listening to any podcasts. I'm just not in the mind frame for it. So I'll just shut everything down and just go with wherever my mind goes without it being self-deprecating. That's the only caveat, is not to sit there and say, why did I do this? Or why didn't I do that? Right? Reframe it and understand that the things that you might want to change going forward, you're not beating yourself up for doing in the past. And just moving forward that every moment that we live and breathe is a new opportunity to move forward and do something different. So... That happens with driving. That happens on the plane. Actually, that's different. I don't do that on the plane. When I'm on a plane, I'm so excited about the movies that might be on there that I just like get into the movies. I just, I can't even work on a plane. It's so exciting for me (laughs) every time. It doesn't matter how old I get. I think I'll be like that forever. So all of it, just exploring, being in the hotel room. Like sometimes I'll stay in a place for one night and keep going on the road. Yesterday I checked into this hotel and I checked in for two nights. So I've been able to like between appointments today, I purposefully looked for a hotel that like a little fancier. So then there'd be less of a chance to be around enormous amounts of children, because sometimes I just don't want to be around enormous amounts of children. And it has an outdoor pool. So right before we hopped on this, I was just in the pool, you know, swimming, doing laps, floating around on my back. So just really trying to pay attention with how you're feeling at all times. And literally floating on my back and letting all the weight like float away. It's a beautiful thing.
1: We already discussed that you've done multiple solo trips. So how has each solo trip like changed who you are and how has it better your career?
0: For me, it's allowed me to get to know myself better, dive deeper within myself in a way that I don't do as much at home because I have so many more, like I do live alone, but I have so many more responsibilities So at home, then I have to, you know, maybe it's the day to, you know, wash the floors or vacuum or, you know, tidy anything or call a contractor for this or call a contractor for that. So this way, I'm really able to mostly 100% or higher, closer to 100% to focus on myself at all times and figuring out where I want to be and in life, meaning not in that space, but where I want to be within me and how i want to keep going so it's a constant checking in with doing better every day doing better every single day
1: yeah so for every trip you've always become a better version of yourself and as you do more trips you end up like just really like upping your game and upping your skill set right and in terms of uh, someone who wants to take their first solo trip how far should someone go if they're a bit nervous of doing their solo, first solo trip should they just for example like you're originally from Canada, right? So maybe taking a car and just going cross border for a little bit? Is that the right way to go? Or should they go all the way and then maybe go to Europe or Asia by themselves for a few weeks?
0: That's a great question. And there's lots of questions around that, right? So do they have a fear of flying? Do they have a passport? Do they have a car? So often I rent cars. I rent cars when I travel for work and I rent cars when I drive around. And this time I took my own car. So I guess it depends on a lot of different things like that. We hear about people having staycations in their own city, right? Where they go and they get a hotel room. People will often say, oh, I've got a hotel room for one night. And I'm like, for one night? For what? That you check in at 3 p.m.? And then or later, depending on how your day goes, and then you have to be out by 11 a.m. or 12 p.m. It's not really enough time to reconnect with yourself. So if folks only have a little bit amount of time, can you increase those small amounts of time to be more frequent? Can you participate in other types of exercises to check in with yourself? So people who, for example, have small kids and they don't have the family support around to assist with watching the kids. Is there a way that you can just even like ground yourself or meditate or whatever your spiritual practice is at home alone, just for three minutes, five minutes, 10 minutes when you can, maybe even 20 minutes, because it's so important to reconnect with ourselves to see where we're at. There's so many things going on in this world and this world is not friendly to us. And we really need to connect with ourselves to be better to ourselves and to be better to everybody else around us. Like we're all in this together. We're all a big community. So for me, it's not only just how I am to myself and my clients, but it's also how I am to you and other people that I come into contact with. It's all around.
1: And in terms of the solo trip, sometimes your friends or family might take offense, right? So let's say you're dating someone and you tell them, hey, I want to do a solo trip for a week. And then they'll be like, oh, why can't I come? Right. So then they start questioning. I'm not sure if you ever had that situation or no clients of yours that have been in that situation. So what's your like response and approach to that?
0: So the time that I did go to Europe, I was in a relationship and that one, I thought that I was going away for a few weeks and it ended up being three months. So it's just reminding them why you're really doing it, reminding them why you need to do this. And if they don't understand, that's a whole other conversation, really, because it's very important for all of us to get that time For ourselves in whatever way that is, if that's what we feel like we need. But if you're constantly reassuring them, like in a relationship, for example, if you're constantly reassuring them why you need to do this, then I think the question is more about looking at the relationship, because it's not about them, right? And if trust was a factor, and if they don't trust you going because of something that happened in your relationship, then that's again, a whole other conversation. There's just so many situations. It doesn't mean, you know, leave them, but it means like, how do you keep them feeling secure? Like, have I caused them not to trust me in the past? Then that's a different conversation. Other family members, caregivers, parents, grandparents, whatnot, they often have a lot to say (laughs) and they don't understand, but they're also our family of origin. And they're always going to be often, most often, always going to be the way they are. So it's about accepting them and checking in with them, like to ask what they need. What do you need? Do you need to know that I'm safe every day, every time that I, you know, do this? Do you want me to, you know, FaceTime you in the morning? Then maybe you do that. But asking them what it is that they need because it is a real worry, you know? So I have a daughter who's an adult and she could go off and, you know, go on trips on her own. And if she was going on a trip for that long of a time, I sure as heck would want her to check in with me on a regular basis.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So in terms of wrapping up our conversation today, Darlene, if someone's listening right now and like they feel burnt out uh, at work and they think that taking a vacation would be the right approach, what are some like actual steps that you want them to take immediately after listening to our podcast together?
0: Really think if it's feasible for you. So how long do you want to go? I don't even know the answer to that, but how long do you think you want to go for? Who do you need to check in with and what's the purpose? So what is the purpose for you to do this? Is it to get away for a few days and to be alone? Is it so you can say, screw it to your job and like never come back? So like, what do you really want to get out of this? Be honest with yourself. Be honest with the people around you that care about you because they do want to hear about that. And really, if you're taking this time to do it, take this time to do it and don't distract yourself with spending too much time in bars, for example, or in places that aren't going to serve your soul because it's really important when you take this time that you take that time and spend time with yourself.
1: That's a great way to uh, wrap up our conversation today, Darlene. So if anybody else wants to learn more about like tips on solo traveling or more about the work that you do, how can people reach out to you to learn more? about you and how you can help them.
0: They can find me on my website, dot Darlene D-A-R-L-E-N-E-M-E-I-S-S-N-E-R.com.
1: Oh, yeah. Again, I appreciate the time and uh, safe travels. Thank you. Oh, <laughs>